we we got everything that Christ deserved, which is perfect righteousness, the the justification, his mm-hmm. vindication, all that stuff. And Christ got all the stuff we deserved, where he took upon the curses of this covenant. He took upon the curses of the law. He took upon all those curses that are la- labeled out in Deuteronomy 28. And again, it's, it's a long list. And then we are the ones who receive the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. And we're the ones yeah. who get to live long in this land, not in the promised land, but in the new creation. Welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast, a show devoted to bridging the gap to the historic Reformed Christian faith. Listen in as two friends, a layman Nick and a pastor Peter, discuss core doctrines of our confessional traditions with seminary and college professors, seasoned pastors, and more. These seasonal episodes exist to reach those outside the church, those in the pews, behind pulpits, and in the academy with rich truths of Reformed theology, and remind ourselves weekly how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Hey, this is Peter Bell, and I am in the beautiful wine country of Central Coast, California, in Santa Maria, north end of Santa Maria, in Santa Barbara County. I serve Redeemer OPC, Redeemer Orthodox Presbyterian Church, on the north end of Santa Maria. We meet at Temple Bethel, which is right there, Temple Bethel, at 11 a.m. for Sunday service and 9.45 a.m., so just before that for Sunday school. For all ages, we have kids Sunday school, adult Sunday school, or all Sunday school at 9.45. You can find us at discoverredeemer.org with one R, again, discoverredeemer.org. Org. We have a bunch of activities throughout the week, but most importantly, Sunday, we have the gospel preach, the, the sacraments administered, and church discipline faithfully brought out. So I hope to see you here at Redeemer OPC in Santa Maria, Central Coast, wine country of Santa Barbara. Hope to see you. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Danny Hyde from the Oceanside United Reformed Church. I want to invite you out to our church. We meet in sunny Southern California uh, here in San Diego. And we meet at the Army Navy Academy in Carlsbad, right along the ocean, as you can see, the Pacific. And uh, we meet every Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning. We uh, hear the Word of God, we hear the Gospel preach, we have the Lord's Supper every Sunday morning. And then we have Sunday school at about noon for kids. We come again uh, together at 5 o'clock every night, uh, Sunday night, for uh, teaching, prayer, and singing. And then we also have various uh, midweek groups, Bible studies, men's, women's, and also other Bible studies as well uh, throughout the week. So. I want to invite you out to worship with us. If you know anybody in the area here in North County of San Diego, uh, invite them as well. Let them know. You can find out more about us on our website, OceansideURC.org, or also on all those various social media. You'll find us as well. God bless. Hey, this is Peter, one of the co-hosts. We're doing something new. All ads will be fronted before the episode for unimpeded listening pleasure. A quick plug for our show, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. Would you consider giving to our show? We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donations are now tax deductible. We've got two options to give. One, email us at guiltgracepod at gmail.com if you'd like to send a check or use our direct donor link. Or two, go to our show notes and click on our donor box link to give a recurring donation or a one-time gift. You can also click on our Patreon account in the show notes 
and sign up for monthly exclusives, merchandise, coupon codes with publishers we work with, giveaways for our subscribers, and much more. All donations we're gifted are used exclusively to pursue our mission to bridge the gap to reform Christian theology. Would you join us? Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone. Yet once again, it's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, where we bridge the gap to reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. And we're on a season seven episode where we are seeing Jesus Christ through all of scripture. We're doing um, going from Genesis to Revelation. So today's episode is on Deuteronomy, the final book of the Pentateuch, aka the Torah. So before we jump into the conversation, I'm just going to talk about our show notes, resources, some books that I was using to prep, um, and then as well as like a little little starter preface, uh, preface to kick things off. So just as a reminder, we're picking up where numbers left off. We're in the final book of the Pentateuch, the Torah, and uh, Deuteronomy is translated to the second law. It's a recap of Exodus through Numbers as they end their 40-year exile and about to enter the promised land. And Moses is listing instructions for Israel as they are about to enter uh, the promised land. And he talks about the law and then he dies. And so he doesn't get to even go into the promised land. Neither does that first Exodus generation. So it leaves off without any closure on purpose because we think there needs to be a feeling of hope for the one to come to fulfill Genesis 3.15 for the greater uh, mediator, uh, the greater Moses, um, and even the great Moses was pointing forward to someone greater. So uh, obviously that's Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about how Deuteronomy connects to Christ. And there's a lot of allusions, a lot of uh, uh, this is chock full of pointing to Christ as as no surprise. Um, so if you go to our show notes, you can learn more about our, two, our co-host uh, for... All of season seven, Dr. Daniel Hyde, uh, and then you got Peter Bell here too, as as usual, and then myself, Nick Fulweiler. And if uh, you go to our show notes, you're going to find out how to connect with us. We have a website, guiltgracepod.com. Uh, you can go to our email and, and connect with us there. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram for daily content and keep up with how things are going in our new episodes and conversations. Um, we're on YouTube. Our YouTube audience is growing, so join that and subscribe there. These conversations are automatically via video uploaded, uh, if that's just a better medium for you. So subscribe to us on YouTube. You can check out the playlists, and it categorizes our seven seasons as well as our book clubs. Um, obviously, check us out on the on a podcast app. And then uh, the link to find a uh, confessional or reform church near your area. If you don't have a church to call home, uh, where hopefully if you're learning about this stuff and you want more of it at a church, uh, that's what we're hoping to point you to. Um, so my, re my book resources that uh, I kind of bring up at the beginning of each episode, um, some are the same, some are new ones I come across. Uh, the family worship Bible guide by RHB is really helpful. It goes uh, chapter by chapter through all the Bible and um, kind of just gives a reflection on what's going on and points to verses in the New Testament as well um, that are connected. And then the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible by D.A. 
Carson, very helpful. It's obviously gigantic. So I use it pretty much just at home. I can't really travel around with it, but it's really good context information before each book of the Bible, breaking things down. And then I got the introducing the Old Testament, um, every book in the Old Testament. Uh, this is this one's Erdman's, uh, Robert Hubbard and Andrew Dearman. And uh, obviously a little smaller and it's easier to kind of, um, it's only a few pages per book in the Old Testament to talk about. Um, so it's helpful. And then a, a new book that I kind of came across, uh, The Glory and Fullness of Jesus Christ, The Most Remarkable Types, Figures, and Allegories of the Old Testament, William McEwen. It's a RHB book. Yeah, Kind of look good. through that. That's a good book. It has yep. um, some chapters about uh, just people, uh, typical persons and things and places that all point to Christ. Uh, so that's a good theme of what we do on our show. And then obviously the Bible project. So we'll try to link all those up and tag them so people can connect us, but uh, let's get on with this, this episode and talk about Deuteronomy, the second law. How are you guys doing good? How's, how's the doctor yep. doing? Do, uh, doing well. Yeah. Sorry. Doing well. <laughs> how hard is your how hard is Dax throwing now? Uh he's not he's not quite to 80, but yeah, okay. he's like high set like but 78. He's what, 13? His, 14. 14, okay. 14. He's like 77, 78. That's like the, <laughs> like his high. So he's right yeah. now we're on off season uh bulk season, you know, so we're bulking up and uh yeah. he's just start throwing again. A couple he's what, 165 he right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like six, two and a half, one sixty five. <laughs> so, so you get, oh. I mean, yeah, with growth, with mechanics. Yeah. I saw I was looking at his mechanics. He's He's smooth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he moves smooth. well. Yep. Yep. So we're yeah, talking we're about baseball catch. for the audience, just so you guys. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Inside yeah, so baseball. I, like, here, I, I love know? talking theology, but this is also like, yeah. this is also yeah. one of my passions. Is the baseball. theology of, of sports. So, That's right. Yep. You know, God created ligaments and uh, UCLs and uh, ACLs and <laughs> bones and all that fun stuff. So and yeah, that's a month to... off of. One month off of throwing, so we just started tossing on Monday. So Dad's, oh, good, gotcha. Dad yeah, had yeah. to get back in shape too, so my arm is a little, a little sore. <laughs> That's right. How hard did you throw back in the day? Do you know? Um, so I stopped playing baseball when I was a sophomore in high school, and I was like in the low eighties. That's not bad. Yeah, but I would like, good. I was kind of like Cyprian. Like Cyprian, you know, he played baseball through like eighth grade, and he, he was, was a too pitcher. long and gangly for it. It was like, and it was just like the game was so slow for him. <laughs> So, um, he had, baseball he has, is slow. Yeah. Base. Yeah. Well, like if you're playing first base, right. In little league and you're just standing around, like yeah. just like the standing around part, like that's why basketball is like yeah. more for him, like his mind, Bro. just his mindset, like the action. And, but then Daxon is more of like a thinker. So Daxon, like he likes the mental part of the game. Yeah. Mm, like that was me. Yep. Yeah. Like Daxon's well, read like da you David Cohn. You have to be David. mental. Not sorry. Not mental. You have to be like yeah. mentally like prepared in it. <laughs> As a pitcher, oh, yeah. like you have to be trying to figure out where the batter is at, like what he's yep. looking for, what he's not looking for, where to throw it, like what pitch, like what pitch selection, and like how to yep. follow one pitch after the other. Yeah, it is oh, yeah. Mental, like because I played baseball too, and I never really I understand why people think it's slow, but at the oh, same I definitely, time, it definitely is. Slow. But but well, it definitely it's, is slow. Yeah. But yeah. but but there's a lot to think about uh, strategically between oh, each yeah. pitch. So oh, yeah. no, no, yeah, my, totally. my favorite thing is to try to guess pitches before the pitcher throws them. Um, Cause I was a pitcher for 15 years and I was a pitcher in college yeah. and I have like a decent idea of pitch count, pitch selection and what batter's looking for. So it's always fun to like guess what pitch is coming next. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Do with it. That's fun for me. That's why fun for very few people. If somebody didn't follow or play baseball and understand all those nuances closely, I could see why they would have a hard time just enjoying baseball. My wife is not a huge fan of baseball. Yeah, (laughs) because she's like, it's just. It, what's going yeah. on? Like, why is that's this, why they've why made is the game? Slow? They've tried to speed the game up now, and that's why, like, when you go to an Angels game or a Dodgers game, like, less than half people are watching the game. Everyone's like drinking, hanging it's out. A picnic they're sport. hanging out in the family zone. They're hanging out in the whatever. Like, you know, the, they're getting they're getting chicken tacos. Like, they're waiting in line for whatever. <laughs> yeah. They're not even watching the game. It's like yeah, they're just there for the entertainment. Like, this is, right. this is true. Yep. So yeah, before we get to Deuteronomy, that's All right. Ever everyone thought that uh that the pitch clock was like the death of baseball, but then everyone universally loves the pitch clock. Yeah, Mostly baseball a, players love it because it moves the game a little faster. It's a half then, hour faster. Yeah. It's like, I think, yeah, it was like 35, 36 minutes faster now yep. average game. So people are, That's people good. are for it. Yep. Yeah. All good. So uh, let's get into this. There's a lot. Yeah, what's not fast is Deuteronomy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the Pentateuch is, is, yeah, it is, there's some, uh, dragging on points but it's so helpful and foundational so yeah. how about how about we start with this kind of just you know structural kind of question what's the ba- what's the best structure to break up deuteronomy into categories do you think you know there's 34 <clears throat> chapters yep so what do we do with that is there any advice on how to approach it for a new for a new christian or a uh, <clears throat> beginner to the bible like they open up their Bible to say Deuteronomy, like, how do I swallow this? How do I, yeah. how do I take this in? You swallow bit by bit. I'm going to, I'll start this off. Yeah. And Danny can kind of fill in with more with the structure, but this is more, it's not genre so much <clears throat> as it is like, what is Deuteronomy? Yeah. Cause it's less, it's less like numbers and less like Leviticus. It, Cause it's of course like there's laws and there's like, he's, we'll talk about him expounding the 10 commandments, <clears throat> but it's, it's more, this is going to sound really weird, but we'll fill this in. It's more like sermonic. There's, it's like mm-hmm. a, it's like an exposition. Like Moses is speaking to the people. Mm-hmm. So it's less like, I don't know, propositional. And of course there's some of that stuff too, but it's more, <clears throat> it's, it's meant to be oral. It's like, so he's yeah. speaking to the Israelites. So it's, he's on the, he's on the mountain speaking to the Israelites. So that's what you kind of have to keep in front of your mind that this is, this is oral. This is spoken to them. Um, less so like, Hey, here's all the rules that you got to follow. Cause we kind of already got that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now we get him like applying some of these rules sermonically. So I'll, I'll let Danny kind of yeah fill this in. Um, yeah, I mean, I agreed. Um, because you know, remember, remember the context of this is like the second generation after the Exodus. Yeah. And so these mm-hmm. are the people that, uh, the kids, um, probably they weren't at Mount Sinai. Yeah. Yeah. They were not that at Mount Sinai. And so these are the, so Moses has to give them the law for the first time. They have to hear this. And so he's expounding and explaining to them uh, all the, all the commands. Um, so, you know, and it's also like a hard book for people, uh, you know, I mean, especially like even teaching and preaching it is difficult because yeah, um, the structure of it, like it comes out of it, like an ancient world where yeah. there were these treaties mm-hmm. and these documents that happened between like Kings and, and nations and peoples and gods and so like that structure is generally speaking you know scholarship agrees that it borrows yep from that ancient structure and so you got to kind of know the structure like there's a historical prologue where it kind of narrates yeah. like hey what happened that's like you kind of sound like you know. uh mr klein there 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> you were taught by Clay. Does that make sense? So yeah, I mean, not that people are gonna go nerd out and do the stuff, but it was like a you know an old like professor, um, a, a Old Testament guy, uh, last name Mendenhall, and then like yeah. his stuff got picked up by Meredith Klein, who taught at you know Westminster Philly way back when, and you know, Gordon Conwell, Westminster Seminary, California. Um, yeah, and like now that's kind of like it's seen as like a yeah. like agreeable like yep. they borrowed that's this ancient treaty structure. Yeah. And so Deuteronomy, if you read it, you'll see like there's like a prologue. That's chapter one to four, roughly. And then there's like the like, what is the covenant all about? And then you have the Ten Commandments. So like I would encourage people to go read like when you get into chapter four and five, you'll see the Ten, yeah. the ten Commandments themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, like chapter beginning at chapter six, all the way to chapter 26, it follows the structure of the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. um, I won't give all the chapters and verses. It's too much, but. Yeah. Just read from chapter well, six. A little 26. front loaded too. Like the first yeah. four are given a little bit more like time yeah. and space, and then the last six yeah. are more condensed. Yeah. And then you have like the there's like a ceremony, like that whole like people on Mount Ebal, Mount Gerizim. Yeah. The 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 blessings are read and then the yep. curses are read. So like You're that's, that's part of the ancient structure. Yeah. You know, like ancient tr treaties, like, hey, if you if you know if we keep the covenant, good. If we don't, bad, right? And so like that that's going on there. Um, and then there's like obviously uh, conclusion so yeah it mm -hmm. follows an ancient treaty structure it expounds moses expounding the ten commandments to a generation that you know obviously wasn't there at mount sinai yeah i mean i'm going to add a slight question to nick because i think this follows from what nick was saying and this is going to help people because moses's death is recorded at the end of deuteronomy so what do we do <laughs> like people are like okay so this is written by moses but how can moses write about his death and how do we make this sense we're like yeah moses wrote the the Pentateuch, but like who is writing Moses's death and how does this make sense for could have been Joshua like yeah or like how does this make sense for when Deuteronomy is written and all so maybe not like all of the scholarly stuff but like how, like what do we do with Moses's death at the end of it kind of not comparing but like keeping in, in line with everything else in Deuteronomy is that for Nick or for me no, definitely for you oh my bad I thought Nick was like you know delving into all these books um yeah, I mean, like either, uh, like either Moses wrote it and he's writing like prospectively. He's writing okay. like what's going to happen, because you know this is, you know, we're presuming that they're at the kind of the verge of the promised land. Yeah, Moses doesn't get to go in. We saw that in Numbers, right? Yep. Because he struck yep. the rock twice, so he doesn't get to go in. So he's at the verge of. He knows you know, he can't go in too. Yeah, and so you know he's given this like last kind of like sermons, you know, to yeah. Israelites are going to go in, go in with Joshua and conquest. So he's either speaking like prospectively forward looking about his death um, or yeah, it could be Joshua or someone else because we don't, we don't necessarily think that all the Bible, the books of the Bible, like were necessarily like in given at one moment necessarily. Um, I mean, like I mentioned before, like Luke tells us in the, yep. in acts and so forth that in the gospel, compiled witness sources, all that he's stuff. compiling witnesses and sources. So like all that compiling stuff, we still believe is under the superintendence of yep. the Holy spirit. And so sure. Moses could have, you know, and then at the end of it, Joshua, uh, added that little sort of postscript. Yep. Um, and that's, that's the scripture, right? So. And then before we move on, a couple things we were talking about the Ten Commandments, a couple things that I jotted down too that's helpful, pointing to Christ, obviously. This is the point of the season. And and uh so the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, pointing to Jesus' uh Sermon on the Mount in the New Testament, talking about the Beatitudes. And Ten Commandments were written by uh on stone by God's finger. And 
uh, written on people's hearts. The the God's law, the Ten Commandments. So it's not the Ten Commandments aren't just exclusive per se to Israel, but it's everyone made in God's image has God's law written on their hearts. It was codified in stone for a certain purpose for Israel, setting Israel apart. But I think the most important thing I'm drawing towards is the connection between Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments, to Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes. Could you guys explain uh, to a lay audience um, how Jesus uh, further describes the Ten Commandments? Absolutely doesn't disagree with them. It, it, he's saying, oh, you think it was tough before like mm-hmm. it's really a matter of the heart you know could you guys kind of go into that how, how do you describe that to new believers and and you know just christians in general the yeah you'll get i mean you get that in deuteronomy as well we'll, we'll get into it more yep. of like the explanation of the ten commandments throughout deuteronomy because you can even yeah. see in deuteronomy this is not just action this is this is more yep. than just action and i think jesus is pointing to that in the sermon on the mount that like he, he's he's talking to he's talking to Jews. He's he's talking to the disciples and he's talking to Jews. And they might think, like, yeah, I haven't done this, and I'm not too bad of a person. He talks to the rich young ruler um in Matthew <clears throat> and and uh the lawyer in Luke. And they're like, Yeah, like physically I've done this stuff. And he I mean, he goes more towards the heart and says, Well, yep. I might have physically done this stuff, but hmm. what what about your what about your heart? And even in the Beatitudes. He's not he's not telling them, hey, I have a new law for you. This is kind of a, a harder law for you now to obey. He's saying, no, this law points to me. Mm-hmm. And if you're in my kingdom, this now, like this now is your life. This is <clears throat> this is how you live a holy life. This is this marks you as kingdom people. Now that I have fulfilled the law for you, you can now like joyfully and in gratitude um obey these laws no longer as your condemnation but as your as your joy this is this this marks kingdom people mm. um and now being fulfilled not just placed in our hearts but fulfilled for us and then we can live in light of these laws so i don't know what danny has to say. yeah no i would uh, agree with that and then i would just i would just add like the theological um thing that um like we see in the old testament a lot of mountains and a lot of times god meets with his people on mountains we saw uh, in our genesis episode the garden yeah the garden there was you know whether the garden was on a mountain or you know yeah. there was a mountain in eden or something sure. like that there's a garden there's definitely a mountain there um and then you know you you have you know mount uh, Mo, uh abraham goes up on you know mount moriah right and then you have you know the lord appears there you have moses at exodus in exodus 3 the uh, the burning bush you have um uh here in deuteronomy they're when they when they when they uh, when the covenant is like implemented they're on two mountains ebal and gerizim yep uh and so like the whole old town you know sinai for, and it, like then all of a sudden those jesus two mountains show up a whole bunch more even yeah deuteronomy. mountains are a ton, really a ton of times yeah and then jesus like specifically gerizim on, and ebal they, they show yeah. up a few other times so and then you know jesus goes up on a mountain i mean these aren't like super high mountains but he no. goes up on a mountain in yep. elevated space like so, like theologically speaking, there's significance there um, to what he's doing. Um, yep. You know, and obviously, obviously, like as we said before, like we believe that, you know, based on texts like Hebrews 12, that it was the Son of God, it was Jesus yep. before he was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the one who gave the law at Mount Sinai. Yep. Exactly. So the yeah. Lord is back. 
And now he's coming and reminding them like, hey, the law was never about like your external like obedience to, you know, to earn anything. Like this is about loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. Yeah. Soul, mind and strength. This is about, you know, oh, okay. Well, I didn't actually like, you know, uh, kill the person with the knife, but oh, but no, you actually have killed people. The law was not given for you to think that you could fulfill it. The law was given for you to say, I can't do this. It can like, can somebody do this for me? And then like this marks a Christian. So it's like, how do I live this out without it condemning me? Yeah, I saw this. uh, I saw a post by uh, Ben Shapiro. And (laughs) yeah, where he said, like, you know, Judaism is not like an evangelistic outward. I've been hearing that more and more lately. Yeah. Like evangelicalism is. um, And, you know, uh, you know, you can't. He said, like, you know, you can become a Jew if you want. But most people in the world are going to go to heaven because they followed like the seven, the seven Noahide laws. Yep. Um, And he said, you know, most people in the world, you know, already follow these seven laws uh, of Noah, you (laughs) know, and like idolatry and you're like really have you yeah i'm pretty sure we don't yeah like are you an american have you not seen like how obsessed we are um yeah so it's like follow like metal gods in the upper sense but sure like i got a i got an idol what five feet to my right in my phone and i've got idols all over my all all over the place not like particular idols but like that idea of the law being just like an external you know an external thing that people just checkbox yep off in their life like that's still prevalent today yeah oh yeah and so jesus words are super super relevant and because jesus is just saying what moses said yep because jesus by the holy spirit is the one who inspired moses to write those words yep exactly (laughs) right yeah and like you said it's it's all matter of the heart so example like one of the commandments is not you shall not murder yeah well jesus saying you murder your brother if you even hate him so it's like, yep. oh, yeah, I didn't physically kill anybody, murder anybody, but I'm actually murdering somebody by just having hate in my heart towards that person. Yep. Yeah. And or I adul- think, yeah, adultery in your heart just by yeah, thinking about a woman or a man. Lustfully. And people, mm-hmm. and maybe this is just my interpretation. I think too many people have said, well, Jesus intensifies laws. I don't think he intensifies. I mean, the law is intense no. already. It's as the it same is. law. <laughs> it's the same yep. thing. He's not intensifying. Yeah. He's just showing it like, I don't think you realize what the law is actually saying. And then he yep. he further explicates is like the law already was more intense than you think it was, and I'm just showing you how intense it actually is. Now I'm not intensifying; yep. I'm showing you how intense it is. I mean, it certainly feels intense because the people who are receiving it only thought of it as an external thing. Yeah, right. And if we think of it that way, yeah, it's going to feel like he intensifies it, but yeah, he's not really intensifying. He's no, just he's just he's showing what it is, the reality of it. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, and then more on the Ten Commandments as it applies to. Um, Israel as an as a new nation, it's kind of like it's acting as a constitution for this new nation. So is Israel again is being set apart from the world to show who the one true God is to the world. So that God is the God of the entire world. Um, but it, there's all these other false gods that the rest of the world is worshiping, and Israel being set apart to be that light and that beacon to the world to be like, Hey, they're worshiping the one true God. And this 10 commandments is sort of like their constitution for this new nation. Is that right too? Yeah. Laying in a sense. Out, yeah. I, like, out. Sure. Yeah. Cause it's, it's both a constitution, but it like, I, I think if you push that too hard, even to today, it's, well, it's the constitution for all people of all time yep. and yep. particularly yep. applied in certain ways to Israel at this point, well, that's kind of the point of Deuteronomy is like 
how does this actually apply to Israel at that point in time? Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, think, like, of it, yeah, think of it more as a covenant than a constitution. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Because it's still yeah, right. like the Ten Commandments is also the moral law. Like this is the stuff that everybody should be following. This is Paul's point exactly. in Romans one and two. He's like, don't you think if you're Gentiles, don't you think this is just a Jewish thing that you can kind of just skate on by? So you got the same exact thing on your heart, just like Adam yep. had it on his heart. Like this is what all people have to follow. Yep. Exactly. And if I think if we think of it as a constitution, we kind of, I mean, it's anachronistic because um, we, right. we as Americans, especially, you know, speaking as American, yeah, uh, we then say, oh, there's a constitution in the Old Testament. You see, yep. you know, Glenn, Glenn Beck was right. Yep. The American Constitution is the second uh, book that God ever inspired, the second Bible. coming of the Ten Commandments. And the, and the U.S. Constitution. Uh, and therefore, you know, we live in this, we, and we live in a special nation. And, you know, mm -hmm. so you see, like, uh, I saw, like, John Hagee, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yep. he, he's back in the, he's back, you know, from the, from the dead. Uh, <laughs> talking about Israel again. And it's like, you know, America is in Bible prophecy. You know, because we are standing on the side of Israel and that kind of stuff. So you get like the weird, and then you get that weird like American like uh, con like the, the the Patriots Bible. I mean, oh, not yeah. the football team, but like you know the patriotism <laughs> yeah. Bible. We have like yeah, the American the flag, American on, flag it, on top of it. Yeah, quotes from like all the founding fathers and whatever, as if like they were inspired. So I think we got to be careful of saying like Constitution, like in yeah, that I, sense. I think okay. yeah, we understand what you're yeah. like. Yeah, it's, it might. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, anachronistic, <laughs> but it's also. I'm just super sensitive on that one. Come on now. No, it's good. Yeah. That's why I say this thing so it flushes out. So I just yeah, think, like, you know. What, yeah, what Nick is saying is I think what generally speaking, a lot of people yeah. think like it's constitution, not that terribly different than the constitution yeah. we have today. It's like, no, it's it's a lot different than the constitution that we have today. Because the constitution we have today, of course, is a law. Yeah. But it's not going to condemn you if that you if you don't follow this thing to that's right. eternal hell. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what the Ten Commandments And are. God gave this this covenant slash constitution. Not a bunch of guys in Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> none of them were difference. inspired when they were writing yeah. the Constitution. <laughs> that's why I say these terms to flush it out because yep, yep. Uh, whether I think it or not, it's sure. what I'm reading and I hear, and then other people reading and hear. And inaccurate, inaccuristic meaning Inac anachronistic. Um, yeah, meaning we can't take our own de definition and push it back into that context yep, of yep. what we think it means. It's based on the context of what it was. So yep. next question going in and to tee up my question, I have a really good example of it. So before I ask the question, um, I, you know, we, we start off reading Deuteronomy and we hear, hear about how God carried the Israelites through the wilderness in 40 years. Uh, and then you hear in the new Testament, God by the Holy spirit carries Jesus through the desert wilderness after his baptism to face temptation for 40 days and 40 nights. So 40 years, 40 nights, uh, God carrying his people, carrying Jesus. Um, so you hear that those terms. Um, so asking both of you guys, um, when, uh, where are we in God's covenantal timeline based on the context of Deuteronomy? Uh, based on also the part of redemptive history in Deuteronomy. In other words, how is the promise given to Abraham worked through grace, even though they are instructed to so many laws? <laughs> There's a lot of questions in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we're seeing maybe... the covenant of grace, but we're not mixing it with the covenant of works, even though there's a lot of laws. Sure. Yeah, maybe we yeah. can start off with the first thing. Or yeah, we start off with the Actually, maybe we can start with like where where are we at in redemptive history? Because Deuteronomy is a little strange, not and that's a strange book. I mean, there's strange laws, I guess, for us today in modern times, but it's not like 
really follow chronological timeline in that sense. Like it's, it's, I'm not terribly sure where to put it on the historical time. I don't know, Danny, where, where, like, where would you put this or where, like, where maybe we're scholars? Like, how, how do we understand where this fits in the redemptive timeline? Uh, I mean, you mean just like historically speaking that they're on the way, they're almost into the promised land. So, um, yeah, the Israelites are now like, I mean, they've been for 40 years of wandering. So now they're like, they're a nation about to enter into like their land, right? With borders. So, you know, we don't want to, again, like think backwards and think like, you know, of national, yeah. you know, international boundaries, but like they're going into this land that God has promised to Father Abraham uh, to possess it. And so, you know, we're on, we're on the cusp of that. So we'll get into yeah. Joshua and like the actual conquest of that, but yeah, they're, they're going in. And so it's fulfilling that promise to Father Abraham to give them yep. that land and to and to multiply them like you know the stars and the sand, but certainly yeah. not because of their obedience. Because that's <laughs> we've got no. I mean, they're Genesis I mean, Moses, through Numbers. We don't have that much obedience. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, I mean, even back in Exodus, like at the mountain where Moses is getting the laws, the people are so bored that they're already like making false gods. Yeah. So before yeah. they even get out of the of Mount Sinai and get into the wilderness, they're already idolaters. Mm-hmm. Do we know like? How long, I mean, we're not really given any like time markers within Deuteronomy itself, yeah. right? It's like we don't really know yeah. how long like this this took. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we don't. Yeah, we don't know these. You know, yeah, yeah. How long it took? You know, um, is this like right before Moses dies? Is it? You know, yeah. We're not mm-hmm. totally sure, but some. It feels like sometime, obviously, towards the end of this wandering, forty years, yeah. no and going into the promised land. So, and then touching real quick on Nick's point with. Uh, the 40 years because there's even more than the 40 years and 40 days that Jesus is out into the wilderness Mm -hmm. because Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy very specifically during his temptation. Yeah. It's it's not just the 40 days and 40 years. It's he quotes this when he's tempted by the devil. And each time that he's tempted by the devil and he quotes, he's quoting from the portion where Israel failed according to their own temptation, where Jesus fulfills by obeying in their place effectively the same temptation um that israel faced on their own yeah and and temptation isn't a sin it's only that's why you know jesus was tempted in all the ways we are but he still was sinless so an important thing to know is he wasn't letting temptation infect his heart as sin would do so uh i know some people can't even go further than that i mean this is this is the point of hebrews too it's it's not even that he stopped. He like he actually went all the way to the end of temptation mm-hmm. without sinning. And for most humans, for like for all not most for all humans, like we don't even get to the point of the end of temptation to um, obey God and all that we say and that we do. It's like we almost always fail at the very beginning of whatever yep. temptation occurs. Um, versus he took that temptation to the very end and obeyed God throughout that temptation. And that's something that, like, I don't think any of us can fathom what what that's like. No, that's that's why it goes back to the B attitudes too. Is like we there's no way we could fulfill the law or achieve the law on our own. So, um, also, yep. so going into we're we're heading into the promised land, and there's a big gorilla in the room in here in, in in Deuteronomy, and a lot of people talking about the Canaanites and having to wipe out the Canaanites. And what is your guys's interpretation on? God instructing the Israelites to wipe. And there's a lot of hyperbole. There's a lot of saying they wiped them out totally, but there were still Canaanites left behind because they were told not to intermarry with them and stuff. But what is your guys' theological interpretation 
where God is still good and holy, but he's also telling the Israelites to wipe out these people that are in the land that Israel has promised back from Abraham. Yeah, we'll get more into it with Joshua because okay. that's where the yep. that's where the um, the Canaanite the, the rubber hits the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you get like you get this in Deuteronomy 17. Yeah, um, where they're told to to pure. I mean, I think I think the word is purify the land. Mm. Um, and it's not they're not doing this because the Canaanites are worse than they are. They're doing this, and Daniel will fill this in a little bit more. So we don't want to we don't want to compare Israel's sin with Canaan's sin. To say Israel is a better people, therefore they deserve this land. Yep. Like, well, no, sin affects everybody in the same exact way. Israelites are just as much sinners as Canaanites are. Sure, Israelites follow the one true God, which does distinguish them from Canaanites. But we'll see in Joshua that there are there are Canaanites who are Yahweh followers, um, whom they can't exterminate because that's they're Yahweh followers. Um, so we'll get more into this, but I want to kind of separate where I think a lot of Christians fall into where we're trying to purify this because there's bad people there and Israelites are good yep. people. And that's, yeah. that's a little bit too simplistic for what we're talking about here. Okay. Yeah. And I would just add to that, like, you know, just be honest about reading your Bible with old Testament Israelites, that mm-hmm. all the sins that the Canaanites were doing, the Israelites either were doing themselves before or, or they do or after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, you know, Joshua again, the judges, and you clearly see that. Um, so, so we don't want to relativize it and say like, yeah, Israel was a little bit more holy. And so, um, no, that's not, not at all. They're, they're just as sinful. There's nothing different they're, about the, the only thing that distinguishes them. There's they're God's chosen people. That's, that's right. So like, yeah, what, it. like, so what distinguishes Israel from the Canaanites? It's God in his grace has chosen them and made a covenant with them. That yep. like, that's the distinguishing mark that's is it. grace. And he doesn't so, do it like Deuteronomy 7. He doesn't do it because Israel is some great and mighty nation. That yeah. They're pure. They're, they're sinless. That they're perfect. That they got all the distinguishing markers. He tells them very simply, I chose you because I chose you. Not yep. because you mm-hmm. have anything in yourselves, but only because I chose you is why I chose you. That's right. You. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And he actually says like he chose them because he loved them. So um, it's the love of God yep. that distinguishes. And then I also just add, you know, and again, we can maybe mention this in the next episode. Um that all like this, this judgment, this kind of judgment in the Old Testament, uh, you know, theologically speaking, it's yeah. always pointing us forward to the final judgment. And so, yeah, know, it's like the no, it's like Noah's Ark, it's like the flood yep. over the land, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of similar. It's like the uh, the Red Sea crossing. There's there's a lot yep. of kind of foretaste of this. Yeah, yep. so it just points us forward to the second coming of Christ, and this is exactly what's going to happen, where he just going to distinguish people. Uh, in the final judgment, it's not on the basis of works; it's on the basis of His grace. Yeah, yeah. Amen. So, so yeah, well, I, I want to maybe uh, just to clarify. Yeah, is we're not saying that this didn't happen. Like that's we're we're saying, of course, God cho- told them, "Is like, yeah, go purify the land, go exterminate those who are there." And He's not doing it because these people are worse sinners than them. He still tells them, "Go purify this land because this is where My presence is going to dwell with you," and this is eventually the land where the temple is built. Um, but that's not for a long time after yep. they get into it because they mess up quite a bit before the the temple is actually erected there. Um, <clears throat> but we also don't want to be too simplistic to say that God's commands to them are because Israel, you're such good people. Mm-hmm. You've got all the right things. You say all the right things. You do all the right things. And this people, they're a bad people. They're way worse than you are. So therefore, go kill them. That's that's we want to not be that simplistic, but also be very uh, like firm on god told them yes this is your land not because you earned it but because i gave it to you 
Yeah, and not not to cover up too or excuse that the Canaanites were doing some horribly wicked things too, child sacrifice and all that. But it also, also Israel with, that. Yeah, exactly. Israel does as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, because I know some of the audience is gonna be like, well, what about all the, the so we're admitting the horrible wicked things Canaanites were doing, but also recognizing Israel, the Israelites were doing some really bad things too. <laughs> they did the same exact um, stuff as the Canaanites did. And so, then when eventually when they come into land, they start marrying the Canaanites. Yeah. And they start doing the same exact stuff the Canaanites did. So it's not he, like Israel's got some some holiness over at Canaan. It's they've got the same heart as everybody else yeah. does. And if you guys want more on that context, uh, check out our previous episode with Charlie Trim yeah. on a book club. He talks. It's the whole hour plus is dedicated to that. Yep. So if, if I was going to run out of time and I just wanted to throw up something to end, you know, kind of wrap up what I want. And and knowing one day believers in Christ will also know God face to face even more than Moses did while he was on earth. Like we're gonna see God face to face, believers in Christ. So we'll see Jesus face to face. Yeah. So yep. we'll see Jesus face to face. We won't see more- God face to face because God is invisible, but we'll see Jesus. <laughs> yeah. We'll see like, God in Christ. Yep. God yeah, in Christ. Yep. Even more than what Mo what I was trying to say, even more than what ex- Moses experienced on earth. So um Mo- Moses's intercessory intercessor prayer for Israel as a mediator between God and Israel points to the great intercessor mediator Jesus for us all believers as he currently prays for us in heaven. So um, I want to throw that in there, but also we're talking about, we have to talk about Deuteronomy six, the Shema, what, how that points to Christ and Deuteronomy 18, how that points to Christ. And then I'll shut up. I'll let you guys just talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like Danny said, Deuteronomy six, I mean, it kind of starts off, with the uh, explication of the Ten Commandments. Yep. So we got the Shema, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. That's mm-hmm. where does that come from? This is this is commandment number one. You shall have no other gods before me. This is yep. he's the one and true God. So this is who we should be confessing. And it's not like New Testament Christians, we confess any different. We still confess there's one true God, yep. and we confess him in three persons: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and we'll get into Dharmate, but it's like this kind of starts off the explication of the 10 commandments. I don't know, D- Danny, what, what do you have to like, like what, what do we have here? And like, how does, how does this point to Christ, but also show us kind of the fullness of the 10 commandments? Uh, yeah. I mean, just the big idea. I mean, the first commandment ties into the 10th commandment as we understand them, you know, reform people, the f- not to worship any other gods. And then the last commandment on no coveting. Yeah. Um, you know, these are like two, th- th- those are like two ways of the same thing. Like, you know, Coveting something is to make an idol. Um, and typically we covet things. We don't covet gods. We, t- we covet things, which, sure. but yet those are gods. So, yep, we make them um, gods. Yeah. But it's interesting, Jesus in Matthew 4, you know, when the devil, the last temptation that yep. the devil gives, Saint, Satan gives him is uh, to fall down and worship me, right? The devil. Um, be all the nations Jesus the then quotes from Deuteronomy 6, like, no, you should worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Mm-hmm. And some people say, oh, well, yeah, yeah, Jesus is just, you know, uh, you know, a prophet, whatever, a good guy, and this and that, and a holy man, and he's pointing people to the one true God, uh, you know, the Lord. But the devil saying, worship me, and Jesus is saying to the devil, no, you worship me. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> like, Jesus is exactly. saying, like, he is Yahweh. He is the Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, in the New Testament, of course, like, the fullness of what that means for Yahweh to be one comes out. Like, yeah, there's one, as, you know, theological speak, like, the, the oneness or... uh you know, the one essence of God, the being of God, but yet there are three persons 
um, hypostases is the is the Greek term um, that are uh, that that are God, yet they're described as distinct from one another. Um, so yeah, it's that whole the whole Trinity. I mean, I'm sure we got you got episodes on Trinity. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, yeah. you see that in Jesus' own words. Yep. Um, yep. Because right after that happens, right, he goes out and he starts to preach and he starts pointing people, um, you know, to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and right before the temptation, of course, is baptism, where he had the mm-hmm. voice of the Father, he had the Son in the water, and you have the Holy Spirit descending. So, yeah, it's really like he accepts uh, worship as the one true great, God, and yet there are three persons in this one true God. That's right. Yep. And and, he, uh, and to Deuteronomy eighteen too, like like yeah. they talk. Well, this is a rather big verse or a rather big yeah. chapter in mm-hmm. Deuteronomy because this is this is in Deuteronomy. This is also oh, this is in I think it's Malachi. Um, it, this is kind of like bookends, um, the Pentateuch with the with the with the um minor prophets, which is the which ends the English Bible. Um, Second Chronicles ends the Hebrew yeah. Bible, but Malachi ends the <clears throat> the English Bible. But yeah, it's kind of like a bookend that they're looking for a prophet to come, a prophet who is it like who is like Moses, a mediator, somebody who's mm. between God and man. And yet, what we see very clearly from Moses like Nick talked about, we talked about in the book of Numbers as well, is Moses sins and he cannot walk into the promised land. He cannot follow with the people because he sinned against God. And so at many levels, we're looking for a greater prophet than Moses. And then we get the true mediator who's not just man, but we get the God man who's called a prophet a bunch of times in the gospels. And when they're thinking prophet, my, my guess is their, their first thought is, Moses, because he's the kind of the first one to actually like be called a prophet. Although most of the mediators are called prophets in some sense, um, but they're looking for somebody. And he, <clears throat> I think this is Hebrews Hebrews three that talks about Jesus Jesus greater than Moses. That yep. Moses was faithful in all God's house for Jesus had been counted worthy. As verse three of chapter three, worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Every yep. house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify, yep. which is the kind of prophetic language of things that were spoke to be spoken later. And so he's both a prophet, but then points to a greater prophet than himself. Mm-hmm. And this prophet and is Moses, one. Moses is a servant and Christ yep. is son, right? Yep. That's, that's yep. the distinction. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus built the house and is the house. Moses dwells in the house and points to the builder. Yep. Of this house, the the prophet to come. That's right. That's right. And Paul in the New Testament references back to Deuteronomy a lot in his epistles. He does. So yep. we talk about you know the 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 uh, main New Testament human author Paul wrote, probably debatably wrote most of the New Testament. Um, going back and referencing the author of the Pentateuch. Moses and he yeah. talks, he cites Deuteronomy. I mean, Paul used to be a Pharisee. He knows Deuteronomy and the Pentateuch. Like he most likely had the entire him. Old Testament memorized. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So he he connects he connects the the Torah to Christ so well in all of his epistles. Yeah, one of the things we can talk about too. I don't know if this comes up in in your questions or comments, Nick, later on, but even the blessings cursing section in Deuteronomy 28. Um kind of at the end of the explication of the 10 commandments. So there's 22, 23 chapters of 10 commandments, like all the nuances Mm -hmm. of the 10 commandments, all the things that it covers. 
and then you get the blessings and curses in in chapter 28. If you had to guess which list is longer, the blessings or the curses? <laughs> Nick, which one did you guess? Blessings or curses? Which one's longer? Probably the blessings. No, curses by three times. Curses, yeah, by a lot. Really? <laughs> yeah, blessings <laughs> is like 15 verses, and then curses is like 50. Mm. That's they're they're looking at this, and it's it's like without him saying it's it's God saying like you can't do this. There's a lot of cursing, oh, and you say you can do this, and they Israel tells them all this we will do, and you're like, uh, no, you're not. You're not yep. going to do this. This There's... is this is not possible for you. And you get all this cursing language, and you get Paul uh, uh, referencing the end of the. I think it's the end of this curse. It's no, it's right before the curses in Galatians 3, where he talks the, about the curse of the cross, which is Deuteronomy 21. Um, but our curse is one who hangs upon the tree. And then he goes into the cursing language mm-hmm. in yep. Galatians mm-hmm. 3 as well. And he's saying, like, yeah, the, the law is the law is a pointy edge. The law, of course, points to Christ. But the law also points to your sin, to your misery, to the fact that you can't do this. Um, it was never meant to tell you like, yeah, Hey, you can follow this. It was meant to point you to Christ. Cause it says you can't do this. So like, look at Christ, look at the one who has fulfilled this. And then he says, all these curses were placed upon Christ instead of being placed upon us who, who fell this. So it's, um, I was listening to Tim Keller message last night. It's like, that's, we, we got everything that Christ deserved, which is perfect righteousness, the, the justification, his mm-hmm. vindication, all that stuff. And Christ got all the stuff we deserved where he took upon the curses of this covenant. He took upon the curses of the law. He took upon all those curses that are labeled out in Deuteronomy 28. And again, it's it's a long list. And then we are the ones who receive the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. We're the ones who get to live long in this land, not in the promised land, but in the new creation. What do you have to to, to add? I was going to say, so so if a person out there listens and is like, hey, you know, I like what I'm hearing. Um, These guys, you know, these guys go to reformed churches, you know, I'm going to check out one of these reformed churches and uh, they, they, they walk into a reformed church on a Sunday and, oh, you know, Hey, the pastor's preaching Deuteronomy. I just heard, you know, these guys talk about Deuteronomy and, you know, the, the curses of the covenant and how Christ, you know, fulfills it all. And, you know, he's cursed that we're blessed. Mm-hmm. And then the pastor gets to the chapter on, you know, curses and blessings. And it's like, you know, this is, this right here, you know, is the Christian life. And, you know, when you don't obey God, you know, you're going to get, <laughs> I knew you were going to go to this. Yep. This will be, you know, you disobey, you're, you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to see the fruits of that in your life. But, you know, if you're, if you trust the Lord and if you pray every day and read your Bible every day, yep. and, you know, if you're, if you're being a faithful Christian, you know, you should expect the blessing. Like, or, or America has all this curses on them because America's not following God's covenant with her. And could be that too. Yeah. The, could be that too. So, um, yeah, it just people like, you know, this stuff is like Paul tells us in Galatians three, when he quotes from Deuteronomy 27, very specific. Yeah, he, he says that these curses are about Christ, yep. mm-hmm. that he was cursed upon the cross for us, and so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles also, right? Um, so, we who do you not know, follow the Ten Commandments, all the, all the explications of the Ten Commandments from Deuteronomy 4, like you said, till Deuteronomy 26, and then we get kind of that covenant ceremony in Deuteronomy 27 towards the end. Yep. All these things we will do, and then you get to yeah. the blessings, curses. And we deserve the curses. And when you look at all the blessings that are amazing, and we do not deserve these blessings. And then Paul says very specifically, like you said, Jesus took upon these curses. That's that's what the cross is, is he's taken upon the curse of yep. our disobedience to the law. And so then let me by- let me be the first one to apologize to everybody out there 
on behalf of all reformed pastors yeah. everywhere that if you've ever gone to a reformed church or if you ever go to reformed church and you hear anything like that, the sort of reformed covenantal version of prosperity gospel, yeah. mm, um, I apologize. And yep. we as we who train pastors need to do better. <laughs> ah, very much so. As a Christian, you have no more curses upon you. Sure, there's there's like fatherly chastisement, like yes. fatherly discipline, yep. but it's not curses. There's a That's big a difference. Curse. That's right. 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 It, the Lord and, disciplines those he loves. Yep. And those yep. he loves are not cursed. Right. Exactly. Right. And then to to end things on a level of hope, because the last chapter of Deuteronomy is 34, and it ends with kind of a cliffhanger hope. Like you're like, there's already but not yet element there. The story yeah. doesn't seem to be done yet. And that's why we go into Joshua next. And we go from the Pentateuch into the historical books. But the the, the that chapter 34 of Deuteronomy all points to the last book of the Bible, Revelation 22. So the already but not yet hope we have. Yeah, well, I like what you said, this tension. Because you get in Deuteronomy 34, 4, and the Lord said to him, and it's interesting who he talks about this promise to, because he doesn't reference Moses. He says, I will give it to your offspring. I have, or, uh, And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham. So it's mm-hmm. it's very specific about who he swears it to because he's referring back to the, the covenant of grace language in, uh, in Genesis 12. Uh, the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And if, like we talked about in Genesis, <laughs> these aren't the obeyers. They're the ones who were given the promise. They're the ones who are promised. The Lord says, I will, I, I'm I'm working through crooked sticks. I, I'm working mm. through those who are not going to obey. This this is the promise, not because you earned it, because I'm giving it to you. I'm, I will fulfill all the obligations, like he says, in, or like he does in Genesis 15. Yeah. The land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, because they're kind of at the cusp of looking at this promised land, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there. So it's, I mean, mm-hmm. look how just how stinking abrupt that verse is. Yeah. This promise, and then immediately to the death of Moses. So it's like you said, there's this tension. It's like, okay, who's next? Like, yeah. who's going to lead us now? The Jewish people yep. were meant to it was ended that way for reasons. So the Jewish people were left with some uh, hope, like what's to come, what's next. Yeah. There's yep. both hope. And like, can you imagine being now? It's like Moses is gone. Like, yeah. what are we supposed to do now? That's- and then verse 10 says, there's not, a, there has been a prophet like him has not yet arisen. Right. <laughs> yep. So yep. like that promise, that promise of Deuteronomy 18 hasn't happened yet by the time yep. of the end. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I think also to that, I think that verse is also referenced at the end of Malachi. Um, Cause they're still looking from it's all the old testaments. We're looking for this prophet to come. We're looking for this mediator. We're looking mm-hmm. for this one who can come and take upon the curses of the covenant, who can crush the serpent, the one who can, who's the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham, but he hasn't yet come. We're still waiting for him. And yep. you get, yeah, you get kind of that preview that, that foretaste in Deuteronomy 34 where they said, yeah, it's even when you look at the promised land, don't stop there. Don't just look at this promised land and say, we got it. Say there's still more yet to come. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Good stuff. Well, that's well, yeah. It. So it's, if, if people, people like this episode, if, if people like this teaching, like, like Danny said, if you're, if you're looking for a reformed church and maybe the church that you go to is a little heavy in the law, you're like, that's man, how do I get under the, the yoke of this law and the curses of this law? Uh, either you could, like Nick said, you can look at the, the zip code finder for Nate Park churches and 
If you have any questions, you can reach out to us. Uh, or you can find me at Redeemer OPC in Santa Maria, California. We have Sunday school at 9.45 a.m. at Temple Bethel, uh, which is like northern Santa Maria. And then 11 a.m. Sunday school or Sunday worship. And we have fellowship usually after that. So, Danny, where can they where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at Oceanside United Reformed Church, OceansideURC.org. Uh, down here in sunny San Diego, Carlsbad, Oceanside area. Uh, Sunday mornings, 10 and then 5 p.m. Sunday school uh, in the middle of that. And then we also have uh, midweek stuff, men's, women's, uh, pastor's Bible study, that kind of fun stuff. So, yeah, I'd love to have people uh, you know, reach out, find us, invite someone that they know uh, in the area to come find us. We'd love to welcome them and uh, share the gospel. Yep. And Nick, where can I find you? Uh, I'm a member at Trinity Orthodox Presbyterian Church. It's in Dana Point, which is South Orange County. We have service at 9.30 a.m. on um, at Palisades Elementary School. And we do adult uh, Sunday school right after that. And then uh, Pastor John does um, the catechism uh, class in the evening around 5. But yeah, past, uh, Pastor Jonathan Morsh is uh it's my pastor you guys both know and he went to he's a grad from westminster seminary california does, does pastor john morse preach like we just talked about yeah yeah he's very godly man great guy that was not a gotcha i was i was trying to get nick to say yes so those who are yeah. listening i'm trying to get <laughs> yes. him to say yes absolutely no he's a it's a great church uh love to promote that church if if you're in orange county uh south end orange county if you guys are in san diego area go to uh, Danny's church, uh, great church there too. And I've, I've been there. Uh, actually, I think Danny, I think you're before I was a member at Trinity, you might've been officially the first ever reformed. So. Yeah, I thought so. I ever went to. Yeah, I thought so. Oh, cool. I just, I remembered that. And then if I was, that, I was that persuasive, I got you in, huh? <laughs> That's it was, right. It was on the beach. It was great. And then yeah, it's um, hard to not be persuasive when you're on the beach and you're preaching yeah. the gospel. But, uh, and then, um, if you guys are North, North of LA, right. Peter, uh, central coast. So this is like near Santa Barbara. Yep. Yeah. Go to Peter's. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, next week, uh, we've already kind of, uh, kind of teed it up, but we're going to, yeah. Preview. Of, we're going to look at the book of Joshua and there's some, there's some fun stuff. We'll, we'll call it that fun stuff that the happens. Book of Jesus. Yeah. In Joshua, yeah. <laughs> the Yeshua. So we get to we look at yep. Jesus in the book of Joshua and then really to how Deuteronomy relates to, I mean, there's reference yep. all over the place in Joshua, yeah, I mean, Deuteronomy kind of like controls, in a sense, the historical books. So we're going to see yep. Yep. how the how the law applies to a lot of what they do in Joshua and from there on out. So, yep. yeah, hope to see you guys next week for the book of Joshua. Yep. See ya. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode in our seventh season, Jesus and All of Scripture. Please make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast catcher, or on our YouTube channel, give us a rating on Apple or Spotify and write a review. These really do help the show reach a wider audience as we continue with our goal of bridging the gap to reform Christian theology for all peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations. We'll see you next week for another episode.